0: sci-fi sidebar our two-year anniversary edition peter do you
1: believe it uh i do really it's a combination I... of i feel like it's been way longer and i feel like it's been way shorter you know also i'm your co-host
0: cc sorry and i'm peter your
1: other co-host <laughs> I thank just you cc for finally so finishing <laughs> cc i want you to know that is literally what i based the entire rest of the editing process on and you ruined it
0: oh well we got there i line yeah. up
1: those words and I was like, oh man! And then oh, you man. don't
0: check anything else.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, that's it. And I land those words, and typically that's all I need to do. I listen to the whole thing, and I'm like, that's good. So all I'm saying is, you didn't say it, and I was like, oh, this bitch. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I did say it eventually. I figured I out that it was the necessary step. So no, you're
1: I, I appreciate that. I and then you saved me a lot of anxiety, but like I would have felt that the entire episode.
0: <laughs> I don't even know what I'm answering here.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, right. So,
0: anyway, two years. Our two-year anniversary. I don't feel like it's been very long, honestly.
1: That's good, because we don't have very many downloads either. So I'm (laughs) glad that's up. I
0: feel like we have an appropriate number of downloads for somebody who's been podcasting for six months.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Oh, wait, that's not us. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no, it's been two years. Oh, no. (laughs) Gasp.
0: Well, you know, what do you do? Anyway. um so for our episode if you uh didn't look at the episode title for some reason
1: (laughs) that
0: would be wild this episode is about brian staveley's book the emperor's blades now peter and i already talked about how much we love this book and i don't know did we talk about the fact that it's like not
1: very popular i don't think we did
0: it's it blows my mind it's so good (laughs)
1: yeah so part and of my I just preparation... read it for
0: the second time, and it's still so good, and I don't understand why more people haven't read it.
1: so part of my preparation for every episode is uh, reading the synopsis of the book just to mm-hmm. go through and you know refresh my memory because typically, especially with like the work lives we both have, I don't listen to the books within like a four day window like I used to <laughs> uh college the one thing I miss <laughs> being able to just. Devour Just throw back audiobooks. entire audiobooks. Yeah. Oh, God. Mainline audiobooks. <laughs> so, I was trying to find a synopsis for this book, and it was damn impossible. <laughs> I ended up finding one on... By finding a Reddit post that someone linked the author's uh, website, which was also not in the entire first or second page of Google, mind you. When I Googled <laughs> the name of the book and then synopsis. That does seem implausible. Yeah, it really is ridiculous. Listen, safely, I know you're not listening to this, but if you were, please work on your search engine optimization. This <laughs> is killing you, my man. We want people to read your books.
0: Just be easier to find. It's actually not even his website, it's his WordPress. Wait, is this WordPress' op- website? Never mind.
1: Ignore the, me. WordPress is a website. <laughs>
0: Don't listen to me. I always thought WordPress was like a blog.
1: Well, WordPress is actually the platform that you that I used to build our uh, last... Oh, our original website was original totally website. WordPress. Original website, yes. So it can be... Anyway, it doesn't matter. I have no excuse to be so ignorant. No well, excuse. Well, I made the website, so it's fine. <laughs> it's true.
0: <laughs> I think anyway, I had to post an episode once,
1: so... <laughs> the, the funny part is, this guy is using the subdomain of WordPress.com. Yes, he is. I... I Brian... Stavely, I get it, man. Hosting fees Stuff are out tough. There. But, like.
0: <laughs> but we swung it.
1: Yeah, man. For our we swung it for a year no for our shitty podcast. That makes no money. <laughs> um, I want to say shitty those... podcasts. I actually listen to some of our old episodes sometimes. I find them entertaining.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if we didn't find us entertaining, we would never have conceived of this idea.
1: <laughs> That's fair. Okay, good point, good point. Anyway, <laughs> anyway so,
0: so let's stop being mad at Stavely for not promoting himself well enough. Not putting his right out there. What a great freaking author
1: he is. What I love about this book and about our, our last year's book, the, uh, the main thing that we, I think we've found in our annual books so far is we've been looking for books that are like really encompassing everything we look for in fantasy. And in all our books, right? Right. We've got this amazing world that's built up. I mean, oh, yeah. This world, like, you and I have ranted about this world. Like, it's the best fantasy world I think I've ever come across.
0: It's up there. It's... I, I'm a, I'm always cautious with superlatives because I feel like I always forget my actual favorites. But, like, it is definitely it is definitely highly ranked.
1: Would I think, if someone asked Top me what three, my for favorite... for sure. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. If someone asks me, like, what my favorite example of fantasy world building is, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to say this book.
0: Interesting.
1: Because um, I just, like, Stavely is the master of mentioning something in passing, and I'm like, wait, wait what was that? <laughs> and he doesn't get back to it fast enough.
0: Yeah, that's totally true. He really eases you into a lot of concepts, like all the gods, like the Sestream. Like, he starts with excess stream, and then he doesn't mention them for, like, half the book.
1: Right, that's a hard move. Like, when your first chapter (laughs) is the access stream.
0: I love it, though. I love when authors do that because, like, they introduce a villain and then make you forget about it. (laughs) And, like, initially you're trying to figure out how it's connected. And then, like, so much time has passed, you stop even trying to connect it. And then it comes back and you're like, oh, my God, I totally forgot about that guy at the beginning. (laughs) It's just, it's fun. Did, I, did they call him Cassestream? Like, did they did they call him out as what he was at the time? I believe they did. Yeah, I wasn't sure.
1: I believe when they were talking about, like, the rot and explaining the Access stream's children, they talked about that.
0: Uh, yeah, you know, I think you're right. I think they talked about how the like, Cassestream were
1: ancient. hmm well, Which, by chosen. the way,
0: <laughs> Peter and I are not going to do a good job with that word.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, there's a lot of words in here that we're just not going to do a good job. I, I'm, yeah. <laughs> My problem is I make it, like, an extra syllable. I'll go, like, cassestream. it's not. It's It's, <laughs> <Sestream>. <laughs> it's like We're you are practicing. Start, it's like you start another word that has a harder sound, and then you quickly go into an S. <laughs>
0: or it's like you just finished a word that ended with a hard C.
1: Yeah, but you're also singing.
0: <laughs> perfect. It's perfect. It's anyway, such a great word. Much no, it's fun, though. Because it's like a tongue twister. Like somebody will say a tongue twister at you, and you're like, "That doesn't seem hard," and then you try to say, it and you're like, "Wait a second, that's really challenging."
1: I think about how many hours that the author, the 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 uh, narrator for the audiobook must have just sat there and been like, "Access stream, access stream, <excess laughs> stream." I can't even do it. It's so hard. But that makes it good, honestly. And you know what? As interesting as a word that is, I think the actual cestrian themselves are much more interesting.
0: Excellent topics. Let's <laughs> turn to something actually interesting.
1: Yes. See, let's shift from our normal rambling about <laughs> bullshit that no one cares about, like how hard this word is to say, and shift into some meaty topics. Try it, listeners.
0: Just try
1: it <laughs> now for thirty seconds of silence. So you to try to say cestrian.
0: <laughs> we want you to record it and send it back to us. <laughs> <laughs> We'll just like start tweeting videos of people trying to say that. <laughs> but yes, no, I I agree. Go on with what you were gonna say about them.
1: Okay. Anyway, I lo- I like the stream a lot. Mm-hmm. I think they are a great example of a terrifying villain. Yeah. And that isn't fully realized even in that first <clears throat> chapter where they're literally committing genocide. Right. It is even re- fully realized later when Tan and the Abbot are telling the story of the, the war between the humans and the stream. It's like, it's later, it's, uh, I mean, this is a bit of a spoiler, I suppose. This is in later books, that, like, the, the real villainy of them, the insidious nature of someone who looks like a human, can talk like a human, can act like a human but inside has nothing resembling emotion and almost lacks even an ego. Like what they are capable of and what kind of enemy they can be is so good.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I don't think I've personally encountered a villain like this in fiction before where it's like an entire race of beings to which you are related. Because like sometimes they have sort of in like I wouldn't even say less thought-out sci-fi, like, villains that are, like, just, you know, War of the Worlds aliens, or whatever. They're kind of unknown and unknowable, they're single-minded, etc.
1: Like the Borg.
0: Yeah, right. I I haven't consumed that media, but... Is that Battlestar Galactica or Star Star Trek?
1: Oh, shut up. (laughs) It is Star Trek, thank you. The
0: Cylons are Battlestar Battlestar Galactica. Galactica.
1: You're I haven't
0: consumed this. either of those media. So, we'll get to them eventually.
1: But the point I can't wait <laughs> but to the make point you watch the first is...
0: season of Battlestar Galactica.
1: Huh? I can't wait to make you watch the first scene of Battlestar Galactica. Continue. Okay, we'll get to it. <laughs> Next month, maybe. Okay.
0: So, what I was saying was, like, I don't think that there's... like So, you have, you have media where you have an unknown and unknowable villain, but... I don't really feel like there's ever been something where it's like, hey, we're just like we're kind of you, except without this one ingredient, but that one ingredient is so essential to the human experience that without it you're nothing like us. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's cool. just that one change, but like it, it makes all of the difference in the world. And I think it's just it's very interesting.
1: It makes them they- utterly alien.
0: Right, but in such a way that they could still fake it and act like they're human. It's, it's I don't know, it's, it's a very, it's a skeevy thought, I guess. It's, it's creepy. It's like you said, it's insidious. The idea that they can look, act, talk, behave as though they're human, but it's all basically a perfect act. And the idea of being sort of perfectly rational. I mean, you have, again, you've I've experienced characters where they're very rational, and, like, people think that they're kind of heartless. But, like, they do always have heart, right? Not because they don't really have that redemption. They're just literally
1: beings of logic. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, I mean, that just... Uh, it's <laughs> not even quite like they're a species of sociopath. Right, I almost said that too, but then I was like, no, that's not really it. No, there's something else going on there, because their behavior, and like, kind of their outlook, as far as we can tell in these books, is not quite what you'd get out of like, you know, a a psychological briefing on a sociopath.
0: Right, because sociopaths still have desire and emotion. Right, they They have. Just can't relate to the emotion of other people.
1: Yeah. I think it's as close as we're gonna get as far as like real world relations yeah but maybe it's like if you took a sociopath and cut out the the self
0: <laughs> right right exactly they're just completely without self which is sort of the whole um analogy with the vanyate and why it helps why why it makes it possible for humans to imitate sex yeah
1: and that was such a wild revelation the first time i read this book Oh, did you not see it going that way? I mean, kind of, but we didn't really get enough information about the access stream to be like, oh, yeah, the is like, the access stream. We also didn't get enough information about the vinyate. Yeah. You had to kind of piece it together from the cryptic sayings of the shin.
0: That's true. And, like, whatever weird Eastern religion knowledge you have in real life (laughs) that you're trying to relate it to, you're like, is this Taoism? I don't know. I gotta go read that book.
1: (laughs) Oh, so what's Taoism again? Is that the one? Like. (laughs) Basically. You're trying to to remember which one's Taoism, which one's Confucianism. (laughs) Right. And you're hopelessly lost. And you just don't know
0: anything about any of that, realistically, if you're me, so... Yeah.
1: Um, My world religions teacher from high school would be really disappointed in me, but frankly, I'll never see him again, so I don't care. And our our
0: literally Buddhist brother-in-law. That's literally Buddhist
1: is a strong word.
0: (laughs) It's literally Buddhist, like we're literally Catholic.
1: Uh... Yeah, I suppose you could say. It. Anyway, um, <laughs> so the, so the, yeah, that that's the stream terrifying villain, very interesting. I thought it was especially interesting that they talked about how the stream had their own leeches. And I'm like, what does that mean? Did like, they what, mention that?
0: I feel like I missed that.
1: No, that's how they created the gates. Oh, duh. the Kenta yeah. got be cre- were created by stream leeches?
0: But how wild is it that, like, those creations last? Because that's another thing that's not well fleshed out, and you sort of have to learn through experience, is how leeches work.
1: Yeah, that like he was he just starts
0: cool. talking about wells, and he doesn't really ever explain it. you just have to get it all through context, which is something I really enjoy in books.
1: Yeah, it makes the... It does a lot more for the immersion of the experience, I think.
0: Yeah, that's totally it. Because, yeah, of
1: course, exactly. Valen would know what a well is and how leeches work, roughly.
0: Right. There's no natural way for Dr. Allen to be like, what's his well? And well means...
1: <laughs> well, of course, in this case, is a word meaning.
0: <laughs> right. A la Lemony it.
1: Right. Thank you, Cece. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so, I I think that when authors try to force it in and explain every detail of what's going on, it mm-hmm. just ruins the, the experience. It doesn't make it bad books, but it does... If the author's trying to create a immersive, a kind of take-you-away experience, that does ruin it.
0: Yeah. I mean, do you ever, like, watch CinemaSins on YouTube?
1: Do you ever watch what?
0: CinemaSins on YouTube? No. He always sends exposition, which is what you're talking about, where, like, the movie will go out of its way to be like explaining background or, like, explaining something about the world.
1: Oh, as, like, in, characters? In a way that's
0: trying to make it look natural. Yeah, but, like, it isn't at all. So, because it, it does. You're right. Like, especially once you become aware of it as a trope, it, it takes you out of the experience more and more every time you, you see it happen.
1: Yeah, I'd much rather take, like, three minutes of narrating of, uh, like, narration at the beginning going, <laughs> the world is this. These two warring countries are this. Instead of being, like... Oh, you know, so and so is approaching. Ah, yes, our enemy that we've had for 25 years because of this event. Right. Don't try to make it look natural. We both know what this is. No, bring me up to speed. Just do Star it Star Wars in. style. Exactly. Yes.
0: <laughs> have so, to, like a little scroll at the beginning, and we're done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Done. 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 Then even have to hire a narrator. <laughs> so, I I did like. That experience, and you're right. I think the best example of it is Valen talking about the wells.
0: Yeah, and just like the way leeches work, you just sort of get slowly drip, drip fed some of it. And there's a lot you still don't know, and you sort of learn throughout the the next couple books. I think, right, if I recall correctly.
1: Yeah, we learn a, a bit, a fair bit more, I believe. I think the biggest single learning moment in this book, though, is when Valon confronts Talal about his well. Hmm.
0: Yeah, and, you learn about the leech experience then.
1: Right, that's also when you learn about the effects that the slon had on, on the ketrol.
0: Yeah, that's true too.
1: Which was really good. So you want to talk about leeches or you want to talk about the ketroll next?
0: Uh, let's talk about the ketrol.:
1: Okay, we'll get back to leeches.
0: A very fun idea. <laughs> It's just it's just cool, you know it's like I can't even think of a better way to put it. It's just cool and fun and exciting, you know
1: yeah, how do you create like an elite troop of you know elite force of people and like you know that is that is, that is suitably fantastical?
0: Yeah, like because they there's ahead. the leech, yes, but other than that, the only thing that's like particularly fantastical about them is the bird. But the bird is something you could conceive of existing, in the world, you know. Right. So it's like, it grounds it a little bit, but other than that, it's just like really tr- well-trained, people. On, well, except like, for these the On covert missions and everything,
1: huh? Except for the slan.
0: The, the the leech. No, the slon. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes, that's true.
1: They did I get did kind of enjoy mythical the powers. Idea.
0: Yeah, they do get kind of mythical powers, although I don't feel like we get enough of a perspective on what it's like to be a normal Ketral and not a Valon Ketrel.
1: That's true. We do have Valon's, like, a intense King Slan egg experience. Right. Which is very extreme. And I do like
0: how quickly he sort of leans into it, like, literally within this book. Sammy your old runs into the darkness and Valon's like you fool darkness is my domain <laughs> you're like yes Valon
1: yes <laughs> take him Valon's like just, yeah, you you merely adopted the dark I was born into it I was born
0: into it molded by it
1: did not see the light until I was already a man
0: <laughs> it's basically Valon everyone's
1: like what are you talking about that's not true you were born in a palace
0: <laughs> literally in a palace
1: the palace of light <laughs> the opposite <laughs> under Antaro's spear uh,
0: oh man yeah no but I, the control, they're just fun man I don't know what to say. Oh, it's <laughs> I cool. don't have anything profound to say about it I just enjoy them I, as a concept
1: I think it's great I think that the it's a cool step because like you could have an elite fighting force arch right, sure. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of those like the real world has lots of elite special forces groups sure sure and like you know yeah, they can all swim into, like, places that they shouldn't be, or, like, you know, do sneaky sneaks and whatever.
0: Sneaky sneaks.
1: And, yeah, they, but, like, they can but without planes, there's only so much, like, super badass troop that you could have in a fantasy world. Yeah. But, well, they went and they made gigantic birds.
0: I know. And it's fun how OP the bird makes them. Like, there's all this talk about how long it will take for anyone to get from Anor to uh, Ashclown to get to Caden.
1: Since you said Ashclown.
0: Ashclown? Cl-
1: Ash Ashclown.
0: Ash Clown. This is how I heard it when I did the audio book. I know, I've seen it written out, but Ashclown.
1: Okay. Anyway, <laughs> Feels so unnatural.
0: Yes. Did that sound as unnatural as it
1: felt? It sounded worse when you said Ashclown, so.
0: Ashclown. <laughs> Maybe I should just do a fake British accent just for the kids. Ashkla. No,
1: that was more like. Uh, why,
0: why is it just so deep? Voice? Sean Connery. <laughs> it was a bad Sean Connery. Okay,
1: so, yes, I think we were, were talking about good travel at times.
0: Temptations. Yes, yes. <clears throat> but, like, as soon as the catch will go to get Kaden, it's like, two days, one and a half days, it's super fast. Yeah, it's like a and couple like, days.
1: Yes. Those Ketrel are OP, man. can <laughs> do whatever they want. And they're the only ones that have Ketrel. Right.
0: Right. Like,
1: they went out and they captured all of the gigantic birds in the world.
0: Of which there were not many, apparently.
1: Yeah. And they're like, cool, they're these like, are. like, this is
0: ours. ours. No one else can have them. Yeah. We're even going to name ourselves after them. Nobody else is in. <laughs> this is ours. <laughs> exclusive dibs they basically
1: dibs the they Ketral. dibs the giant birds
0: yes they all called collective shotgun on, on the schedule <laughs> except for the Now nobody else can can take them
1: yeah so that's first of all that's funny i had like to imagine like the the anurian empire sending out people across the entire world and finding every single fucking catcher <laughs> i know it does make you wonder how these things
0: were formed and again these are details you don't really get the birds no, no, no! Not the bird. How how did they evolve? Let's well, Cece, when that. a mommy
1: bird and a daddy bird.
0: <laughs> Stop it! No, I mean um, the kettrel as like a fighting force.
1: I mean, I think the uh, you're right. We don't get a ton of it. We do get a little bit of it.
0: There is a small
1: amount, like yeah. when Valen was talking about how originally they were supposed to be cel- uh, celibate.
0: Yeah, but that's it. I mean, that was that was the extent of it. No, the extent. He's talking about at. the implied celibacy, but not like. Whose idea was it to get the birds? Like, was somebody already doing that? And then they decided to make a fighting force? You know what I mean? You don't get the history in that sense.
1: Right. Which is kind of a... Is another example of our... God, everything... Like, he just says something and is like... Yeah, the controller thing. And we're like, okay, but whose was like... Let's strap a bunch of people to a giant flying bird.
0: <laughs> right. How do we get from one to the other?
1: Yeah, cool, cool. Giant one flying bird. I want more. Yeah, I want to fly on it and take it to battle. What?
0: Another thing about the Ketrel is um, Pierre mentions at some point that the emperor, some emperor at some point asked the Ketral to wipe out the, uh, uh, what is it called?
1: The Skullsworn? I don't know.
0: Yeah, the the Skullsworn's temple. Um, And they just like, despite how OP the Ketral are, just wing after wing after wing, just basically crashed against the rocks and got nothing. Yes. I mean, I'm sure killed some Skullsworn, but, like, I don't know. And that's that's also a story I really want to hear is, like, why did that Emperor decide that was something we wanted to do? How did it go so terribly wrong? <laughs> What's up with that?
1: Yeah, I when, have a lot were, of questions. Were there, were there just traps? Were the Skullsworn really that much better at fighting? I mean, we realize very quickly that they're excellent fighters.
0: They're very, very good. But they're limited, you know? Like, pure and... Um, her fake husband, whose name I forget... He... He dies pretty quickly... Because he's not really good at hand-to-hand combat... And he very clearly is like... Yeah, she does this close-range stuff... I do the long-range stuff... That's our whole thing... Like, they don't have...
1: Superhuman powers... They're just really, really, really good at the powers they do have... Right, I mean, which kind of... Makes them a good foil to the Ketral... Because the Ketral are focusing on... Being very well-rounded soldiers... You know, they're all pretty good with a bow. They're all pretty good with their swords. Some are better. Some are truly excellent. But they're very well-rounded, more soldierly. Whereas the Skullsworn focus on a very... A singular, very... um, You know, a singular set of skills or a singular skill that they become truly exceptional at. Right. And...
0: That's totally true. Then they work together. Right. They work together and they play to their
1: strengths. Which is probably why that attack went so poorly. (laughs)
0: That's probably totally true. I don't know. It's just an interesting little tidbit from history. Yes. From I, fake
1: history. I do want to, uh, I do want more of that. For sure. This is kind of an example of a universe that has so much opportunity. Like, all right, the storyline, you know, when it's done, it'll be done, right? The main storyline will reach its gradual, appropriate end. Yes. But, like, the opportunity. For ancillary stories and other books from within this universe is so mm-hmm. extensive.
0: Oh my god, yeah. And he's only written one so far.
1: All right, Skull Swarm, right? Yes. Yeah, so he wrote Skullsworn. then he has the three primary books?
0: Yes. Okay,
1: I'm trying to remember. The
0: Chronicle of the Throne is that trilogy. Which is a great name. Also very good.
1: <laughs> also very good name. The so on that note,
0: yes. very into the Malkinian mythos.
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: I just I love the idea it's very enchanting the the burning eyes like the gift of the goddess and it's it's an interesting world that's sort of secularly religious like they sort of treat the gods as a force of nature I mean there are people who are devotees but like anyone with power sort of is like yeah yeah like they treat the gods as a thing that exists but they don't
1: they like, don't have any special worship them him. in that way. Yeah, there's not that devotion exactly. Even the Malkinians, who are you know the blessed of Antara, right? Not particularly religious, which is interesting, right? And you know we they just
0: sort of take like I guess her quote unquote favor for granted, or I don't know if they just don't even believe that it's from her anymore. It's not clear. Right. They mm-hmm. do seem to have a sense of their own like divine mandate, though.
1: I mean, Il, um, Il-Torn just said it pretty well, like, when he was talking to Adair. And he was, like, a, he pointed out, like, yeah, hey, you're despots. <laughs> you're just good despots. Yeah, you're good ones. You want what's best for the people. But make no mistake, you are absolute rulers.
0: Right. You do not get to escape the title of despot just because you're not cruel. Yeah,
1: just because you're a cool person.
0: And, I, and it, it's interesting because this book really flirts with this line of yeah they're like quote unquote enlightened, the empire seems to be doing pretty great, everyone loves them, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But there are slaves and there are a lot of wars and there are a lot of ugly things that are a part of this empire as well. And like the Emperor has concubines and like there are all these sort of what we would think of as backwards ideas that coexist with the idea of them being enlightened.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it is an example of this empire might carry itself as enlightened because the competition <laughs> sure isn't. Right. You know, the, right. The, the, the Urgul are obviously not, like, they have other enemies, and they're clearly the better option. Right. And while we don't inter- really interact with any slaves... We, I
0: mean, our closest experience would be Triste.
1: Right, but she's more of a kidnappy, which is not far off.
0: But right, I, like, She's she, sort of a
1: hostage. Yeah, she wasn't formally, like, in, like I, I don't see her as a standard situation. But, yeah, know, I think that's correct. But we don't know how the slaves in this world are treated, but the Malkinians, you know, act in a way and, and seem to pass judgment in a way that would make me think that there are probably laws protecting the treatment of slaves. We don't know this. You would,
0: you would hope so because you like them, but you don't know if that's true.
1: You're right. I don't know if that's true. But they seem to have to... Even if they don't take the divine mandate seriously, they seem to take the, the idea of, you know, a happier people is a more secure and, you know, more productive people, mm-hmm. and generally speaking, doing well by people will result in a better result for the Mykenians.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're correct that they have a keen sense of their responsibility as rulers. Is that what you're trying to say?
1: Yeah, that seems to be the best way to say what I said.
0: Yeah, so I I do agree with that, and that helps, for sure. Um, But I just think it's, it's an interesting choice to have it not be... Well, they're good guys, you see, so they're good guys, and everything's simple then. Like, there are things that they do that we wouldn't agree with as, like, Americans in the real world in 2020, but, <laughs> but in the context of the story, if they don't feel natural, they at least don't feel like they necessarily contradict the nature that you've, like, identified with the people. Do you know what I mean? Does that make any sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that does make sense. And I think what Steve was trying to do was create a realistic situation. Yeah,
0: and not in as ugly ways like some some uh, right. fantasy authors. Right, he's not writing a, a,
1: you know, a dystopian fantasy novel. He's saying, look, right. here's a family that generally speaking want to do well by their people. Right. And they would rather see things better. You know, maybe they'd rather there not be slaves, but they acknowledge it as an economic response, like requirement of that empire, right? And it's hard to have
0: an empire in that sort of like techno- technology level without slaves,
1: right? And if you are a ruler, you can't just be passing. It's it's irresponsible just to pass whatever laws you think will make people feel better. True, or even like whatever just is your fancy. If you want to enact change, you need to do it in a measured generational way and not a, ah, boom, the slaves are free.
0: Well, and that's part of what's so beautiful about the idea of an emperor needing to achieve vignette.
1: Yes, I was waiting it's for not sentence. really
0: It's not really explored in this book. I don't think it's a spoiler, though, to say that it comes up in future books. I don't um, think
1: the, the practicality of that does.
0: What do you mean? You don't think it comes up? Or you don't think it's a spoiler?
1: Well, I don't think it's a spoiler. But also, like, I don't think the... I think we've already gotten, like, the main reason why the emperor has to achieve the vignette.
0: Right. But it's honestly... It's treated... Or, or it's presented, in my opinion, as more of, like, a tradition. Like, like almost a ceremonial role. Because even... um. Even the uh, the head monk sort of doesn't seem to agree with Remporitan that the Ksestrim are walking among you. And I don't understand why everyone who, like, believes that the stream are real immediately dismisses the possibility that they could be walking among us because they did look just like humans, and we know they're geniuses, you know? So I don't know why why we, we just assume that wouldn't happen.
1: Right, and we know they live forever.
0: <laughs> right, and we know they're immortal. So, like... What makes you so sure they're all dead? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, just because you haven't
1: found one doesn't mean they're not there.
0: Right. I digress, though. It seems like mostly people don't consider it an active threat. Even the people who are in the know about the success stream remember more of their story, have a sense of their threat, I guess, in a more present way than the normal people who think of them as a fairy tale.
1: And believe they are real. People that, you know, have read their novels or their writings in Taro Spear and stuff like that.
0: Right. So I feel like the idea is that, I don't know, to me it makes sense that the reason that the tradition with the, um, with the Shin continued, even though, honestly, it's kind of a huge inconvenience. And you could even say, like, a, um, uh, 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 I'm trying to get the word, but a like a risk? certainly a security risk, but also like a um an indignity for for the future emperor to suffer to go and like do this service, and it's not clear whether or not the people know that it happens. It, I I can't imagine that they do. So it's like, where do you say that you're sending your heir? <laughs> a off to training. Um, yeah, I guess off, off to training, which is true. But, like, there's all these, I mean, it's talked about a little bit in this book that, like, Adair was at her father's side her entire life, learning from him, following him, receiving delegations from him, training under him, basically, for politics. It would not be hard to argue, shouldn't Caden be the one doing that? And even, I mean, I think that there's an argument, too, that, you know, is Adair more fit for rule because she's actually learned all of those things? I think it's, I mean, it, it, I think it gets mentioned at some point. But my point is this. If the Venate didn't have a practical use outside of its ceremonial purpose, I sort of doubt that this relationship between the Shin and the Malkinian Emperors would still go on.
1: But there's all, there is another practical reason. Like, yes, Which I realize is, that the Malkinian Emperors being able to isolate themselves from emotion and make purely rational decisions especially in, like, highly emotional or highly personal decisions for the best of the empire, fine. But the practical reason is the reason empires fall apart, typically, especially at this technology level, is that they tr- grew too large and they weren't able mm-hmm. to regulate themselves. Rome. Right, Rome. We're talking about the Onurian Empire, which had, you know, the, the, they were saying that the Ashclan was like you know a hundred leagues past the border of the Anurian Empire and it was yeah. two months from Anur to Ashklan right like that's a long way to travel yeah that's true and the way you keep an em- and the, so the, here's but why do empires fall when they grow too large they fall because some frontier general gets so popular with their men and gets such a popular crowd among them that they then have the power to match the central power. Right. You fix that by having an emperor who can be anywhere in the empire at a day or two's notice.
0: That is true. That's true. Tied
1: together by an elite force of t- fighters who fly on the backs of huge motherfucking birds. That's true. You can
0: pretty much be like, Okay, Ketchel, you go here. I'll meet you there. <laughs> exactly. We're good.
1: <laughs> so I, I think you're right. The logic aspect is important, but I mm-hmm. think the Empire wouldn't be nearly as successful or nearly as long-lived as it is if it wasn't for the Kenta.
0: That's true. I I underestimate how important the Kenta must be to the rule. It, I mean, it is it is mentioned. It just, I don't know, it doesn't say that to me nearly as much as the idea of like being able to instantly go into this cool analytical state and make your decisions that way.
1: I mean, I think this book really focuses more on the vignette
0: and right. the kenta the vinyate itself like as a state right. and not just what
1: it can be used to do exactly a, as the ultimate goal of the shin and i think that the kenta really play up their more play their more important roles in the later books mm-hmm. um i will also say that i think the major time the kenta is talked about in this book as like what exactly it is and the you know and, and how the emperors use it is when Cyanin is talking to Caden. About you know a third of the way in and telling him why he's doing the training.
0: That's true. Yeah, yeah. As you said, it comes up. Um, but so on the note of the vignette, um, I found it I found it very enjoyable, like watching the path that Caden had to take. I mean, so part of the um, I guess contrast that I was talking about before, where like, hey, everyone's enlightened. Everyone's just, like, trying to be their best selves. But on the flip side, there's some ugliness. Like, there's a lot of freaking abuse that both Caden and Valen are subjected to, like, to an insane amount. Um, Oh, yeah. And it's just sort of accepted and, like, fine, because it's a means to an end. Um, But I did think it was interesting how they responded, I guess, differently. And in a sense, I think it must be because Caden's abuse was not emotional, you know what I mean? It wasn't emotionally driven. Whereas like while Valen received like physical abuse at the hands of his trainers, he also just was dealt a lot of huge emotional blows out of spite. And like because spite was what sowed it, spite was what was reaped. You know what I mean? Yes. And I think it the Caden Valen parallels are very, very interesting. The burning eyes, the dark, dark black eyes. Like, the light of the Empire, the person who lives in the dark. But I love that their brotherly bond is there the whole time.
1: Yeah, even after all these years apart.
0: I know. There's, like, a lot of family loyalty feels that
1: this gives me. <laughs> yeah, because the, f- the first thing Valon wants to do when he learns about this threat is he's like, oh, shit, Caden. I gotta find my brother. Yeah. yeah. And, well, you know, part of that is his loyalty to the Emperor because he is you know, a soldier. Right. A part of it is definitely a sense of, oh, my brother's in danger. Brother. And also he's the heir, now emperor.
0: Right. It's this, it's this love and duty tied together thing for Balin, And for Caden, it's kind of just love and a lot of admiration too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because
0: he's jealous, you know, to an extent that he had to go be a monk. While his brother got to become an action hero. Yeah. And it's so funny because they're such different people So it's sort of interesting to learn about Caden That he wished he could have been a catch-roll to an extent Because he doesn't seem at all like a troll.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's definitely far from it
0: But that's how you're raised, right? It's, it's how you grew up
1: Yeah, and I guess he was out there learning hmm. He was trying to learn how to destroy himself And Valon was trying to learn how to like best make use of it and it's kind of weird how their training certainly had certain parallels like you noted about the different kinds of abuse but they still um I don't know they still there still are parallels there that let them still maintain their their family loyalty
0: right I mean that's I guess deeper than any of the rest of it but I, I did think it was interesting they both had this turning point moment um for Caden, it was when he was buried in the ground, and I forget exactly when it was for Valen. But like Caden got to this point where he, basically, I I assume I think it's implied achieved Vayneate without realizing it,
1: <laughs>
0: um, through just like sheer detachment from the self because the reality was so freaking horrible. But Valen almost achieves his own sort of Vayneate. It's definitely not the same thing, but he gets to this point of being like, I just can't care anymore. Like this sort of desperation where he detaches from his own feelings as well. And it's not, it's not the same, but I did think it was interesting just the second time through. I was like, oh, it's kind of a, it's like a similar process. Like you got to the end and the end is like you having this attachment. And I think it's, it's not going to serve Valen as well as it served Caden Like, Caden's is sort of benign, whereas Valens is, like, this deep fire, and you have this sort of sense of doom about where this is going to go for him. And I don't remember the other books at all very well, so I'm not even, like, referencing any of that. But I just feel like even just with this book, you're like, this probably isn't good news for you as a person, Valen. Whereas Caden achieves that detachment, too, but it's, like, a necessary part of his growth as a character.
1: Right, I won't say it's healthy because he had to do some terrible, have some terrible things done to him to achieve it, but it is certainly necessary. Cadence? Yes. Yeah, totally agree. Um, but
0: all of that said, I found it kind of disappointing when, like, in the pinch, Rampori Town was like, okay, just do this one guided meditation and you're there. Like, it was just too simple, you know?
1: That's true, although I think really what was necessary was, like, priming his mind. And we saw the yes. seeds of it before.
0: Right. And Cyanin did tell him specifically, like, you're almost there. You, you're gonna get there. But it's just so funny that all the stuff that Tan did to him, and then at the end he's like, okay, picture a bird. <laughs> and, like, all of a sudden, that's the last straw. Yeah, it was it's like such a, a light straw. He was
1: like a Russian sleeper agent. He just heard the right I... code word and he snapped.
0: No, you're totally right.
1: No, it's it, it, that is
0: what it felt
1: like. Yeah, you're right. It is super weird, but yeah, Russian code, Russian now sleep agent.
0: That's exactly what it is. nothing else needs to be said about that. Yeah,
1: we're done. Move on. <laughs> I
0: talking about leeches now, if you want.
1: I will say this: the the experience you described for Valen is interesting because I think I don't know what you remember. I'm not going to say any more than this. Uh, due mm-hmm. to spoilers of the pre- next books is I really the the world expands and I seriously suggest people listen to them or read them oh, or yeah. whatever or read them um, <laughs> consume them is, is I find Valen's experience very similar to that described by the Yishin interesting
0: oh yeah that makes a lot of sense
1: yeah which the idea of just cool. like
0: trauma after trauma after trauma creates this detachment that is necessary to achieve I guess their form of the vignette exactly Huh.
1: So I, um... I don't know. I think that... That's that, funny.
0: So I guess the the foundation really was built in this book for that.
1: Yeah. And I think that in Good the, job, Brian. God, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> all right. Let me see. What else have we not talked about? We haven't talked about Adair at all. Uh,
0: yeah. Adair's pretty great.
1: All right, cool. This is
0: a school lady. No, I, um... I really appreciated her turning point. You know, like, I, I think that it was interesting seeing this smart young woman come into her own. And she has, like, this degree of, um, like, okay, like, this is kind of the best I could ask for. Like, I'm going to do the best I can with this job. And she takes it very seriously, despite all of her obstacles. But um, A doesn't have that emotional detachment that her brothers have achieved by any means. Um, gets kind of guided by all of that. But I think more important than, like, her story throughout the book is where she ends up at the end of the book. Okay,
1: um, I see what you mean there.
0: Yeah, like, I found her story interesting, if for no other reason, that I liked seeing what was going on in the capital and getting, like, that view of things, because Valen and Kanan are both in such remote situations. Right. Um... But I just, I think that, A, we got to see the most of the Emperor through her. What's his name, Peter?
1: Um, San Latoon.
0: San Latoon, yes. Great name. I keep forgetting
1: it. <laughs> yeah, so I do not how hey, much you keep forgetting this great name.
0: I keep thinking Rampori time whenever I'm searching for a word.
1: <laughs> That's not it.
0: That's not the one. Um, yeah, so I think we see the most of San Latoon through her, which is great. But in terms of her own character, um... I don't know. It's like it's a, it's like a neat little arc like she she has an enemy, dispatches enemy, realizes that her real enemy is now her lover and just like hardens her heart and is like I am not going to just throw this all away. Like I'm not going to throw away the advantages I've gained through my actions even though I didn't know I was doing it for advantage. Like She just has such a quick turnaround from the revelation and that feeling of horror and, like, oh, my God, what have I done to being, like, okay, I'm going to use this. And it just makes me respect her so much as a character. Like, I already liked her, but it's just awesome. It's such a good moment.
1: I found until, like, later in the book, but in the beginning, you know, in the Mm -hmm. middle. Because in the beginning, I was like, all right, yeah, cool. Um, Smart, capable, driven woman. Trying to do the best she can in a world that is clearly a man's world in this universe.
0: Very clearly, yeah. Okay,
1: you know, dealing with sexism. Okay, cool. Uh, got it. And then, like, she kind of she leaned into a lot of the the expectations of the other ministers. Like, she started acting rashly, and she started like, and she would catch herself. She's like, "Oh no, I'm acting overly emotional. Like they think I will." and she started she, she was doing a lot of that and yeah. eventually that leads to her to killing the wrong man because she didn't take a look at the inheritance her dad had left her
0: to be fair that guy was a dick oh he was
1: a total dick and I'm glad he's dead
0: <laughs> I'm not sorry if she killed him right but like but you're right she got like totally blinded and
1: like if she had you know I'd taken any time to if she had opened that book before the trial it would have all been avoided totally but instead... I mean, they probably would have still had the trial, but the whole situation would have been dealt with differently. Right, and she wouldn't have, like, screamed out, like, no, I demand his head, it's my right, et cetera, et cetera. And, like, right, they, all of which was pretty bad PR. Right, and really put herself out there and made a fool of herself. Mm-hmm. And made herself super, like, antagonistic to, um, Eudinian, wait, Eudinian? Eudinian. Uh, Eudinian. Eudinian. Make her super super antagonistic to a who is now performing miracles in the sight of people like every day and Mm -hmm. has the people's support. So, like, that's true. She's definitely acting rashly for a while. So, she really hurt herself because she didn't open the book.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's totally true. I mean, she was just blinded by, I guess. A need for events. Oh, totally. And it's hard sometimes when you're when you're looking when you're reading a book and you're like, "Woman, don't you know you're in a book? It can't be this obvious."
1: But of course, she doesn't know she's in a book. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. And I realistically would've been in the same position. But like, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I also think dare more. I probably it. would've looked at the book though. That's. I probably would've looked at the book. Yeah, I probably. Would've looked at the book. I would've been like, well, "Why would he have left me this? My one, you know, the one physical belonging he left me specifically." Because really, everything right. he left me is mine. Is, like, everything he left is mine. But like, why? Because, you know, Sand LaTune is something, if not a deliberate. Right, right. Even when she reads the letter, she's like, it
0: wasn't emotional. That was just him. He <laughs> wasn't an emotional guy. <laughs> like, she knows this about him. She knows he's a very rational man. Right. And I'm assuming that the palace has tons of libraries, so why is it like, you have this personal copy? Yeah. That, and she even wonders about that. She's like, that was kind of a weird choice, but uh, anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, moving on. Yeah, like, I told, And the dude was, like, meeting with in like did some really un, unusual things right before he died. Totally. And you know what that sounds like? That sounds like he was faring out a conspiracy. It really does. Like, I, I can't say how I'd react in this situation, but I'm pretty sure enough my, like, red flags would be raised that I would have opened the damn book.
0: Like, that's super freaking weird. He has an entire, like, battalion of highly trained guards to protect him. And he just decided to leave them at home that day.
1: Yeah, like, what the fuck? Yeah. So, that is the one thing I, I do take great issue with Adair. Um, I think in this book she's overall very good. I like her less yeah. as the series goes on. <clears throat> but... For now, she is good. Yeah,
0: I can't remember how I felt about her in the rest of
1: the series. You just say you emotions, you had feelings.
0: I just, I just know I had feelings. <laughs> um, I had feelings. I can't remember what they were.
1: <laughs> Although I can't appreciate. But in this book, very good. Yeah, she's she's good. That's just my major gripe. I can understand. That's a very frustrating gripe. Um. I also think that she, um. She's in a very hard place. Like yeah, she's there, surrounded by people that knew her father. Like, that she's in the heart of the Empire, she has this responsibility, and she... She doesn't really have any friends. Right, as far as we can tell. And she's dealt with the grief the longest of any of her family.
0: Right, and she knew the most of her father. Exactly. So um, not only did she get the news first, but she also, like, knew him as a grown-up, which is not something that Caden or Valen really ever got to do. Right, had an adult
1: relationship with her father. Right. And, um, and that's, you know, hugely different... As we both Mm -hmm. know, having, you know, being adults now and talking to our parents.
0: (laughs) Yes, having an adult relationship with them is very nice.
1: Right, and it's important development in how you see them, not just, like, as the parent.
0: Right. But as, like, I guess a companion.
1: Right. And 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 only older person who you won't curse in front of and also is great for advice.
0: (laughs) But who you also just generally like, hopefully. Yes,
1: Yes. typically so. (laughs) Um, yes. And so Caden obviously doesn't have that, and right. Valen, who while he knew about his father's death for a long time, still doesn't have it.
0: Right. They both left
1: when they were super young. and Yeah, Caden spends the entire damn book not knowing. Right. It's very frustrating. he starts writing the letter to his dad. I'm like, he's dead, dude. Oh, I know. It's so sad. It's so sad. He's like, I don't know why I want to tell him, but I need to tell him something. I'm like, dude,
0: of course we Caden.
1: Oh, uh, he's a good kid. He's, he's a good boy. I think it's funny <laughs> that the dynamics of this empire leave Caden the youngest as the heir. Is he the youngest? I thought Valon... No, Valon's younger than him. Mm, I don't know. I was pretty
0: sure Valon was younger than him.
1: I don't think so. I think we had argued about this before, too, actually. This is giving really? me... What
0: did we argue about this? This <laughs> is giving me some
1: major, major... Uh, yeah, the, the literal... Deja, Deja stave blog says the youngest son of the inurian empire and is there oh really yeah
0: i mean that sounds right it was just in this read through i thought i heard something about how Fallon was his younger brother wait so does that make Caden 16 because i thought they were two years apart
1: is valon 18 i don't know how old anyone is Anyway, unimportant. Doesn't matter. I just think it's it like a that like he has the burning eyes. Valen doesn't have the burning eyes, and Adair is a woman. Right. So the youngest. It must son. have been
0: a real relief when Kanan was born, huh?
1: Oh yeah, I bet he was stressing the fuck out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but it also there's this implication that there's all these cousins with burning eyes out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, the uh, the other uh, Malkinian you know, brood.
0: Yeah, just like the rest of the royal family. Like, but we never see them. I don't
1: think. I don't think we see them. Uh. We we might see them late, like in the third book. Maybe I th- I remember vaguely something that's spoilery. Um, okay,
0: don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Cut <laughs>
1: you. But I. <laughs> but there is an I, allusion I I to them existing. I remember them being involved at some point, but like not to a great extent, you know. Right. Maybe. So it's like I, I have no recollection of that. I I I honestly that this you know now that I've said that I think I'm confusing it with the independence <laughs> That's actually quite possible. <laughs> anyway, um, I just saw. You're right. That's a. That's. I forgot about that implication. That's. That's funny. Yeah. I'm just like out there, around with like those, like you know, Jerry, the guy playing polo. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's like other you know powerful people, but it's like you know, you went to a private school or something, and some random cousin of the Inurian Empire emperor who doesn't go away and do wild things at a young age. Uh, breeds horses. Yeah. <laughs> or you're like, you know, he's like at your private school and he's like the good, he's good at math. If he has the bull, burn, burning eyes, he's just kind of a normal dude, but like yeah. really intimidating during sports. Yeah. When you're like, you know, at the, I don't know what sport they play, the football field and you're looking across the line from him. Fantasy and, football. Yeah. Uh? Nah, uh. Stupid. <laughs> I hate you joke. Um, and he's just the burning irises and you're like fuck that's intimidating
0: oh my god I'm not going that way
1: (laughs) (laughs) basically it's wild I think the crazy thing is that they actually produce some faint illumination it's not just a color
0: I know like fuck oh man wait so I have read that this studio whose name I'm forgetting has optioned uh the Emperor's Blades It's like this interesting fan, it's like a crowdfunded, like, production studio of some sort. Thank God,
1: because that's the only way this is going to make it to a screen.
0: Yeah, probably. (laughs) I was, like, so excited because I really thought this was too obscure to make it to TV. And, like, it's still, it's so early. Like, they're just going to sort of, I think, get together the team to make it and like get a proposal together and start trying to sell it to networks like and we're not even at the state where a network has it yet oh man but like somebody's working on it and that's what matters and And i do think this would be a very visually cool universe like we're i think at that point with cgi now that you can do it cool
1: yeah it's not gonna be shitty looking
0: because really all you have to cgi is the birds and the eyes (laughs)
1: that's pretty much it yeah i don't know how they're gonna do the eyes but i bet it'll be pretty cool if they do it yeah Alrighty. We are reaching the end of our time this evening.
0: Did you want to say more about leeches? Because we were supposed to circle back to that. Oh,
1: yeah. Real quick. Uh, the idea of wells... The, okay. So one thing we talk about a lot when we cover books like this is the mechanics magic systems. of magic. Yes. Yeah. Right. So you and I talked about at length for, like, the inheritance cycle or, mm-hmm. um, you know, any number of other things. So we talked about a lot for... Shoot. What was the name of last year's book?
0: Uh, Kingkiller. King, Killer.
1: King Killer Chronicles. Chronicles. Thank you. We yes. love our Chronicles. Um, we do. Anything with a Chronicle, we're in it. Yeah, fuck I'm a sucker for Chronicles. <laughs> so, we talked about... Kind of Chronic Crazy. So, <laughs> I hate you. That's your second bad That's pun okay. this episode.
0: That one was a lot better than the last one. <laughs>
1: Alright. That was a better bad pun. Um, but the idea of a well, and so they draw their power from a well, is really cool. There's lots of details that I want more fleshed out, but, like, the fact that they have a specific source of power in nature, and it can be anything. Anything. The sun, Peter. Yeah, the sun leech who unleashed his power after 40 years of hiding it to free the humans. Oh, man. That's so
0: freaking awesome.
1: Oh, that's so cool. The fact that it entirely depends on, like, what your well is depending on, like, kind of your level of power. Mm -hmm. So, like, because I... The way I kind of infer this is, as far as measurable quantities are concerned, like, atom for atom, every well is the same power. I don't think there's a well that's more inherently more powerful. I think it's just a matter of availability. Okay,
0: Peter, it's really interesting that you just said atom for atom, because I hadn't quite thought about the fact that most of the wells discussed are physical, like exists physically even like the you know the sun's radiation right. exists physically. yeah photon
1: for photon or whatever
0: yeah photon for photon yeah but like emotion doesn't mm-hmm. and that's what makes it such a i guess game changer
1: yeah and it makes me happy that they're so rare uh <laughs> yes
0: for serious but it's also i mean you don't really know how rare they are because of the way talal was talking about The way everyone hides their well, and it's, like, their most precious secret. I thought it was interesting when he was saying everyone's got their camouflage. Like, Balandon has these dogs, and this hawk, and these feathers, and, like, all these weird things. Any of which could be his well, and you'll never really know.
1: Right, and the cool part of that is what his well probably is, is, like, the reaction people have to his animals. Yeah, probably. Like, they...
0: Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Like, the intimidation of a dude walking up to you with, like, a hawk on his shoulder. Yeah, like some wolf, Two giant dogs. Or whatever,
1: yeah. Like, that's pretty yeah. intimidating. That would disturb a lot of emotions. That's his well. Yeah. So, like, he's walking around generating his own power. Even if... Even aside from the taunts. Right. Which really... It does... Baladin does it, but it seems like he... Mo- like, he t- teamed up with Yarl just so Yarl could hurl insults. I know. He's like, this guy's an asshole. We can really rile some people up with yeah, him. Yeah, typically Balladin is, like, described as, you know, quietly leaning against something in the background with his coolness or something. In this book? Yeah, or, like, yeah, he's just, like, I mean, you right, in this book. Um, see, see, he died in this book, remember? Oh. No, I'm pretty sure they say they didn't find any bodies.
0: Oh, okay. Never mind, then. I'm really sorry if that's a spoiler, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they said they don't find any bodies. Uh, they looked for them. No, they definitely looked for them with a um, all Okay,
1: fair. Anyway, uh, so, <laughs> he, so, you know, at, at, with the catch-all, he's, like, just chilling, and then lets Ural hurl insults all day and rile people up, and he's like, all right, hell yeah, power. Yeah. So, I don't know.
0: Valentin is a very interesting villain. I enjoy him a lot. He
1: is definitely very cool. And he also upsets me a lot. It's both. I mean, sure. Like, ju- he's so sinister. This book, these books have such good villains. They do. Because Sammy Euros yes. sure. He's a bully. Sure he thinks he's better. Sure he's on you know in on a plot to kill the Emperor. Yeah.
0: And yeah, the yeah. Malkinian you know.
1: line. Whatever. No biggie. But Ballendon Mm Balandin, the real power.
0: And that's sort of what's interesting is like they, they reference that Ballendin is powerful. Like you know he's powerful. But they don't they don't treat him like he's in charge because he's not really on paper in charge but like it sort of becomes clear you're like oh this guy's pulling all the strings oh, yeah. like sammy is just like a like a tool for him yeah which is a way to rile people up which is kind of terrifying
1: yeah it's awesome i love it i think leeches it's are cool good. i think they are a interesting way to approach magic I think it's pretty cool that this is a world that doesn't just like sus- find the you know, magicians suspicious and not really like them. It actively hunts them. Yeah, I appreciate. Like, this is
0: another point where it's like there's righteousness from the Malkinians, and you're like, does that seem right? <laughs> like, well, so when Caden gets luxury with um, Pater and is like. Well, nobody should have that power, so we kill them.
1: <laughs> and you're like, "Whoa, Kaden!" No, so on one hand, I I think that the the approaches that look, I think K- Kaden's mindset is, it sucks, right? Like I yeah, we don't like doing yeah, it. Yeah, We don't want to kill these people, but the fact of the matter is, no one can have the power to bend the world. Like that's yeah, just asking for trouble.
0: It's just very like extreme egalitarianism, you know. Right, and as we... Like, you are more powerful, and there's no way that power can be curved, so we're just going to have to take you off the game board. Yeah,
1: and we'd have to figure... Because theoretically, to do it, we'd have to figure out what your well is to completely separate yourself from it. That's not really an option. And And if your
0: well is something like sunlight, or even iron, like, you're never really going to be without iron.
1: Right. And we look at, like, Valen talking about Talal going into the caves, and Valon going into the caves, and how it was unfair, because they just walked down with their well, and that's so different than any other catch going down there. Mm-hmm. So it, it, we do see that sense of that injustice. And I think this book mentions once or twice, but like, again, in classic Stavely fashion, mentions it, doesn't explain it, the Admoni Leech Lords.
0: Oh, yeah. And, That's another book I want. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> and, hey, Stavely, if you're listening. Yeah, Stavely.
1: Stavely. Hope you're on it. Get on it, buddy. Um, hey, Brian. Do you have a Patreon? I'll hey, I'll, 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 tri- I'll contribute towards that point. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, I'll pre-order now for a two-year-from-now delivery date. Dude, I totally would. Uh, oh, in a heartbeat. That'd be great. Actually, Stanley, hey, listen, bud, great way to raise money for it. Mm-hmm, let's do it. Uh, anyway, so, the, but, like, the Amaiya Leech words, like, you know, terrorized the people and, like, were brutal dictators, essentially. Think like, they were the bad despots. And so, right. I think I can appreciate us... They society. were a cool despots, like the Malkinians. Not like the Malkinians, <laughs> our boys, the Malkinians. <laughs> the despots who party. <laughs> the despots who party.
0: With the people, you see. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for, for the people. With civil rights, sort of.
1: For some people. For some people. Not <laughs> or slaves. Not or legions women. or slaves. Or <laughs> women. Uh, anyway. Well, I mean, women have all the civil rights they can have. It's not like they can vote or anything. But no one could vote. That's true! <laughs> there's, there's no voting for women or people of color. Or... Anyone, <laughs> yeah. the early American democracy was actually less righteous than monarchies.
0: There you go. You heard it You're not first. wrong um,
1: That's
0: pretty true. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. I mean, granted, monarchies very tilted,
1: still in favor of white
0: dudes, but it's fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. There are some other issues, but still, no one could vote, so everyone could vote <laughs> when there were elections. Everyone could vote. Voting
0: rights wise, they had it better than us today, even arguably. <laughs>
1: Is it? Everyone can vote us. Mean, we...
0: Yeah, Peter, but there's a lot of questions about access.
1: All right. We're not getting into this.
0: I don't know enough about it, really, to have not <laughs> I intelligent just, I just about, it anyway. about it anyway. I just know that some people think there's problems about it. And I should probably educate myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. So they... Um... <laughs> also not convicted felons. Go on. <laughs> so the oh shoot I've lost my share of thought of. anyway you
0: probably had a point that had to do with the book almost
1: certainly but it's gone now so
0: it's unfortunate
1: there's at least a 50-50 chance that it didn't have to do with the book so, <laughs> uh, so... no you were talking about the, the leech lords oh yeah anyway so I can appreciate a society which now is like look this went to shit when the leech lords were allowed to gain power yeah we can't let that happen again so we're just going to go ahead and kill them, unless,
0: unless we want them to be on our military team, <laughs> right? Which is unless we want them to be a part of our like super squad. Fantastic!
1: I like that the 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 area is like well we're always the area is always looking out for no advantages, so they take leeches and make them fight, or they <laughs> die.
0: Right. They're like so. Here's the deal. Okay. So you know who doesn't. <laughs> you have could get rights?
1: executed or. You can come join us. I wonder, so obviously in this book we only get a view of, we really have to wrap up, but in this book we only get a view of the Inurian Empire. I wonder if anywhere else, it's not like, you know, leeches are, you know, revered or whatever, but I wonder if they're allowed to live anywhere. Like if there's anywhere you could safely flee to? Right, because I think the idea, the idea from the Inurian Empire is, if you are a leech, you get killed. It's not like if you use your leech powers to do something.
0: No, I agree. It's not that the magic is a crime. Having the magic is a crime. Yeah,
1: being magical itself is a crime.
0: Right. Which, so as soon as they figure out that you're magical, you're dead. One way or the other. Yes, which is obviously not good. No. Um, so I, not if you're a cool leech like Talal.
1: That's true. Talal is a cool leech. I love him. Anyway. Alright, anything really pressing that we really have to talk about or can we wrap this up? Mmm... Nah, I think we're good. All right, well, friends, we hope you enjoyed our return to the fantasy universe. Um,
0: we hope you enjoyed the book. I really
1: enjoyed. Read more. I really enjoyed share it with your friends. Going back to a fantasy book, Cece. I know it's been so exactly. long because I don't have that much time for audiobooks anymore, or even reading. So, like, I really only listen to the things we work on. Yeah. And I'll do. I'll sprinkle in other things, but typically I stick with the things we work on, and.
0: Yeah, I get that way too sometimes.
1: Yeah, it just seems you're busy. And, uh. Yeah. So I really enjoyed like listening to a fantasy book again.
0: Yeah, and what a fantasy book. I realize this
1: is unrelated, but this made me mad about Doors of Stone again.
0: Oh, Doors of Stone. This is going to be our new anniversary tradition.
1: Being mad about Doors of Stone?
0: Because, <laughs> let's say, what are the odds that our podcast is still going
1: by the time Doors of Stone is published? Uh. I don't know. We're pretty stubborn. It's true besides how, why else would Cece, how else would we talk regularly
0: <laughs> that's true we need this for our relationship yeah exactly <laughs> anyway rate five stars <laughs> share with your friends so that Peter Knight gets
1: to stay siblings <laughs> alright oh uh, Cece where can they find us so that they can rate they us five stars
0: they can find us on Apple Podcasts uh, can they find us on Spotify yeah Yeah, you find us on Spotify. (laughs) Anywhere you get your podcast, pretty much. um, Please do rate and review. Um, We welcome feedback. We're, you know, still uh, (laughs) fairly limited feedback-wise and curious what people think. So, um, yeah, so come to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash sci-fi sidebar or facebook.com slash signifying nothing network where we sometimes remember to post uh, news. (laughs) Updates. I usually remember to push releases episode. That's pretty good. Usually. Um, our twitter.com slash signothingnet and our email does not always remember oh. <laughs> <laughs> to do that. But yeah or you can email us at signifyingnothingnetwork at gmail.com
1: Yes. I I hate that we always added an inflection at the end, like, eh? <laughs> <laughs> eh? Is that right? Maybe <laughs> no, no, one, no one ever emails us. Don't worry, guys. I was reading our email as she said that. We're good.
0: It's okay. It's still there. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, hit us up, I guess. Our next episode is going to be released on February 3rd. It will be on Xenocide, the third book in the Ender Quartet.
1: Oh, I want to, last, little, since Scott Card. apologize real quick about pushing this back uh, well past our two-year uh, I had an incident this weekend that made it impossible for me to listen to the book. So it's uh, <laughs> very vague. So, Excellent. I mean, n- enough said. You, uh, <laughs>
0: rate five stars and email us for the story. <laughs> 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 it's not worth it anyway. <laughs> it's kind
1: of worth. it. It's exciting. Well, I, I bet it was. <laughs> it was exciting for me. The retelling is less so.
0: Yeah, probably. Anyway. all right, all right. Let's let's finish this thing. This has been uh, Sci-Fi Sidebar from the Signifying Nothing Network. A
1: tale told by Vince. <laughs> I guess. I can't see you.